0: Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments. Now available on your Amazon Alexa.
1: Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Before we get into the podcast today, I just want to bring everyone's attention to a number of videos, which are very shortly, Uh, we're recording this on Thursday the 10th of November, so it should be up this evening uh, a number of videos from the presentations at our virtual investment trust conference that was held on Tuesday. there was three investment trusts there, quite different in their themes. There were some focused on the environment and sustainable assets as well as some focus on the growth story in India. So do check those out they're going to be in the video section on the UK Investor Magazine website very, very shortly. So do have a look at those. So for today's podcast, we're going to be looking at a number of key themes in markets as well as UK equities. And to do that, we have with us once more, Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast this morning.
0: Morning again, John. Good to be back.
1: So Alan, I mean, how are you finding markets out there? Today, I mean, we're sort of looking at the FTSE 100. We're trading above 7,200 uh, at this point in time. I mean, what's your sort of feeling on the general mood on markets currently?
0: Well, I think I think we touched on this last week, didn't we, John? Uh, I think looking at certainly UK markets, um, uh, I, th- I, I think uh, obviously we, we we take our cue from the US, and of course, uh, um, I think uh, you know markets weren't overly happy with the outcome of the midterm elections yesterday. But, uh, of course, the, the, the Dow Jones uh, did, did sort of fall during the day. But but we've seen quite a strong opening this morning and maybe we'll see them bounce back today. Certainly, it hasn't been a seismic uh, disruption um, as, uh, as some might have hoped for. Donald Trump does seem to be receding into the back mirror now in some ways. Um, but certainly, you know, I think uh, the UK market is fairly resilient. You know, if we come closer to home, of course, we've we've got the domestic issues, but um, I think Rishi and his team seem to have uh, uh, steadied the ship, as it were. And uh, there's certainly a sense now that there's more visibility. The Bank of England, of course, looking forward, are looking at peak rates of four and a half percent, not the six percent that um, some pundits were and were um predicting uh, earlier. Of course, that could change, but I think now we've got that visibility. Once we, we're in the lead up to the the big budget announcement, of course, that's coming up in uh about 10 days. Once we had that, then of course, um th- then of course we'll have more certainty and of course the we'll look at the OBR forecast too. And I think that's going to be key. Um whether the market's have priced that in already I don't know. But I think uh, you know it's we seem to have seen a return back to fairly i wouldn 't say benign trading conditions, but certainly there 's a lot more stability than the the boom and busting area that was created previously by the the uh, the the very brief trust administration
1: Yes, I mean certainly there's been a number of potential risk events that we've we 've overcome. You know, of course, there's the midterms of, as you mentioned there, Alan, that, that could have been a disaster for Biden. It, it wasn't. Obviously, you know, the way that American politics works, you know, it does render him a little bit less p- powerful in terms of his agenda um, going forward. And, you know, you mentioned their interest rates. We've had a series of interest rates here in the UK as well as across the, the globe. it looks as though the market's taken those in their their stride and, you know, we're probably going to be seeing further interest rate hikes. As you said there, Alan, you know, these uh, predictions here in the UK of going 6% don't look likely anymore. And then we've got the risk of the UK government really taking off the table with the appointment of Rishi Sunak, who seems to have done his job and settled the ship um, so far, although there's been a few bumps in the road with some of his early appointments. But... You know, obviously, people now, Alan, are going to be looking at you know what's next in markets. Uh, of course, we've just had in the last week rumors coming from China that are going to be looking at some point potentially in uh, in the spring of ending their zero COVID policy and that sort of big rally in Chinese equities as well as some of the miners here in uh, in London. So, I mean, sort of looking at potential scenarios going forward, Alan. I mean, do, do you think this is a a situation that now we've got these political risks off the table um, or, or being you know considered a lot more by the markets and, and largely priced in do you think it's a situation where we could really shift back and we've started to see it already in the last week with, with earnings you know number one looking at economic growth and you know what that means for for markets and, and secondly Company earnings? Do you think they really drive markets as we go into the winter?
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be the key focus now. You, you know, as you, as you rightly said, you know, politics is, politics, and um, and uh, the the uncertainty created by the Russia Ukraine war well, that's always there. But I think that's uh, that's a managed risk now. I think there is uh, that there's a degree of certainty around that, of course, and, and, uh, unless it escalates in some other way. That perhaps we um hasn't uh happened yet but certainly i think now we're in earnings season you know we've seen some earnings disappointment as we were saying last week um but uh, we're also seeing some good numbers too and and uh and i think um i think you know it, it there's a there's a sense of relief i think in the markets now that we can go back to just focusing on numbers and of course um you know we've got some reasonably good numbers to digest uh uh, this week, and of course, AstraZeneca that we're going to discuss in a minute uh, is one such company. But I do see, um, I, I think uh, the, the one worry yesterday, of course, Marks and Spencer's did sort of indicate that uh, it would be it expected some serious disruption next year. So I think certain sectors are going to have a tough time. Uh, we're in the run up to Christmas now, of course, the Santa rally may start at some point. Um but then it's going to next year, and I think um, often these, the, what, how well these retailers do in the run-up to Christmas, and then that key January trading period is going to be very telling. And I think that will, in many ways, uh, signal the or, or flag up the likely progress or lack of for the rest of the new year.
1: Indeed, indeed, and I, I think one other point that I'd bring in there. Is you know it's a it's a very basic influence on markets, but looking at what's happening as a result of the Ukraine and Russia uh, war, of course, uh, you know that's that's ongoing at the moment. But we saw a, a signalling of, of a retreat actually from from Russia from Kyiv yesterday. Um, but I, I think there's going to be a shift to the to the weather actually, Alan, because you know looking at you know how markets are setting up and. You know the big influences that we're we're seeing from the energy markets. If we see a warmer than average winter, that could have a big impact on markets going forward, um, because that will obviously free up some uh, some spending in uh, in households, and probably see a situation where you know just as after the uh, invasion of Ukraine by Russia, everybody came uh, became an expert on geopolitics. I think we'll start to see over the winter everybody becoming an expert on the, on the weather and uh, the impact that's going to have on households going forward. So there's going to be some, some key themes, I think, playing out over the next few months that, of course, we'll be discussing on the podcast. But to move on now, Alan, we're going to look at the first company that, as you mentioned there, AstraZeneca. They've had a steady increase in shares so far this year, and, and they've ticked higher this morning, they've put out their third quarter results as well as some figures for the nine months to that period. What do they look like?
0: Yeah, so Astra, um, of course, we discussed uh, Glaxo last week. Um, and uh, Glaxo, very much a, a steady eddy of a stock, you really. And I think, um, you know, very much... Uh, the, the, the financial performance of the shares really for as long as i can remember has been very similar so you you know you, to use an old phrase you can almost set your set your watch by it you know it was so reliable um Astrazeneca is a different animal altogether and i think um obviously the uh, the the astrazeneca covid vaccine was key to the fortunes of the group over the past few years um, and of course we've seen the shares push through. 40 50 60 i held astra a few years ago actually and um uh i should i, I wish now i'd sort of held on because it's just powered higher i mean it's had an incredible year if we look at the stock it was trading back in uh the early part of the year at just over 80 pounds a share and it's pushed on hit year highs of um of uh, 111 or 115 pounds per share in fact uh, is the year high? Currently trading at just on 111 pounds a share now, and um, of course the, the, the stock continues to pay a, different, a dividend. But it almost, um, in terms of price action, it almost behaves like a like a, um, a, a smaller cap stock. I mean, there's lots of lots of um, uh, liquidity, lots of volatility. Um, so it's it's an all action stock in that regard. Um, and then of course the numbers today um, give you well, explain why. There's so much activity in, in the company. I mean, the first nine months of 2022, revenue growth of 37% to $33.1 billion, which is incredible. That ignores the effect of currency movements, of course. Um, the uh, the so, so the company acquired uh, uh, medicines from uh, Alexian Group um, in, in a deal that had completed um, at the start of Q3. um um, but gross margins also improved during the period as well uh, to 81%, up six percentage points. Um, and uh, the, the group has reiterated once again its full year guidance, um, low 20s percentage growth. Um, earnings per share guidance has been increased to, uh, to 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 low 30s, which is which is really quite incredible. Um, and we've seen shares up, of course, again this morning. So I think we can expect now. On the back of that news and on the back of that earnings vis- visibility, all important earnings visibility, I think we're going to see the shares power back to year highs and possibly higher still. Every time you think AstraZeneca has hit as high as it can possibly go, on it goes again. Um, it's, it's on a pretty racy uh, racy uh, valuation too, you know, with a market capitalization of nearly 170 billion. But um, uh, it, it's, um, you know, this is the, this is the. Uh, the uh, pharmaceutical cornerstone of so many investment uh, portfolios. Um, and it, at the moment, it's the, the big pharma that just keeps on giving.
1: So, Alan, I've got, I've got a question here, and this probably speaks more to your personal preferences and, and your personal risk tolerances more than more than anything. But if you had to select either GSK or AstraZeneca to put into your portfolio, which one would you go for?
0: i buy AstraZeneca. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, just... Just purely because, you know, I think with GSK you could time it correctly, but I think when you're buying a big stock to get the the sort of movement and excitement that Astra generates, because it's doing enormous deals, you know, it's it's a very well run company, a huge portfolio of drugs that are coming to market. Of course, that was what the the big farmers do. You know, we're invested into a lot of the smaller companies like Hvvo HV, HV, and. Uh, Pulberg Pharmaceuticals, uh, Sizzle Biotech, all of those, all of the smaller companies. But of course, they bring the drugs through, and then they're acquired, or when they go to phase three trials, that's when the big boys like Astra come in, take them on, take them to market, and of course, do the licensing and everything else. And that's that's the the skill set they have. And I think AstraZeneca does that just as well, just about as well as anyone, any company in the world today.
1: Fantastic. Thank you very much. So moving on to, uh, to another company that I believe actually speaking before the podcast, you've recently added to your personal portfolio, Alan. It's uh, a company that, you know, sort of looking at, you know, the last uh, last year or so, it's been trading in, a, in, in quite a solid range, but it's making signs that it's breaking out of that range now. It's Georgia Capital. So what are the main reasons, Alan, for you picking this up?
0: Well, this is an interesting company. Um, uh, I uh, well, I say a company is an investment trust. Um, and uh, I I interviewed uh, uh, former fund manager and uh, investment analyst Ken Batch uh, a few days ago, and uh, that interview is up on the Brand uh, Brand Com's uh, YouTube channel, so you can go and watch that. Um, it's it's a long it's a long talk, but Ken gives a very good solid overview of his investment strategy for this month. Um, And also, uh, he picks out four stocks, you know, and uh, Georgia Capital was one stock he picked out. Um, Now, Georgia Capital, um, it's, uh, of course, it's focused on the Georgian economy, um, which, uh, contrary to what a lot of people might think, is a very strong economy. Uh, GDP growth of 10% per annum, inflation of 8%, um, and the the local currency there is currently stronger than sterling, so it's it's a very it, it's a very solid economy. And what the comp- what the company does, it just invests into Georgian assets. Its primary investment is the Georgian bank, Georgia Bank, um, and of course that's just issued a very strong set of quarter three numbers today. Um, net asset value up thirty one point three percent. Um, which of course is uh, is is pretty pretty impressive Um, it's uh, in fact no no my my apologies that's uh, those are the Georgia capital numbers net asset value up 31.3% today so that's overall on on its uh, across the the network of um, uh, investments that, that it has so it's invested into Georgia Bank it's also invested into um, the local health uh, infrastructure there invested into private hospitals invested into private education and also pharmacy chains so it's very much exposed to the the uh, the Georgian economy and um, it's it's been trading uh, at an incredible discount to net asset value um, and i think the primary reason well the, um, the uh, conclusion that a lot of analysts have come to with this is that because it's so close to russia um it's uh, in a sense linked to russia's fortunes and of course uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's it, it, the 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 russia uk ukraine war and of course any implications it might have for georgia but georgia as a standalone, is doing very well indeed and i think um uh, investments uh, or investors uh, both retail and institutional are starting to cotton on that hang on this is trading at a huge Discounted net asset value. That net asset value is expected, to, uh, currently, to be around eighteen to nineteen pounds per share. So, of course, we're trading at um, you know uh, just over a third of that uh, currently. Um, it's, it has come up strongly in uh, recent uh, weeks, as you pointed out, John. But I think um, I think as you say, the shares look like they're going to break out. Now we're um, the year high of the stock of the uh, stock is seven hundred. Or seven seven forty two pence. Uh, we're currently seven oh six pence, but it's been pushing that high. But it, it it's it's hit um, three higher highs since um, since June this year. So that's a very strong sign that the stock is looking to break out. But certainly, based on the numbers today and the growth, if you look at the quarter, if you look at the quarter three statement from George Capital, I think you'll find that there's uh, there's plenty more to come. And certainly, there is. Um, it is very much trading at a big, at a deep discount to its current net asset value.
1: I mean, is that a discount that you see being built in due to the tensions uh, in the region, Alan? Or do you think that's something more to do with the the, the company and then now moving through those eternal uh, issues, if there are any?
0: Well, I think. Uh, I think it's it's largely to do with that. It's largely to do with the with the proximity to Russia in terms of its uh, geography, and of course, a lot of the assets that they're investing into are close to Russia too. And of course, if Russia is being aggressive like this, is it going to invade Georgia? There's all of that, but um, but the but certainly the uh, the discipline the company's shown in 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 delivering uh, growth um, across all of these assets. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think the the risk-off uh, nature um, of investors, um, particularly given the 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 uh, the uh, the Trust and Qua, and Qua debacle um, a few months ago, I think that's uh, probably pr- probably a lot of people taking money off the table and, and they've just sat back. And of course, companies like George Capital, because they're associated with uh, quote unquote that area, um, they've pro- they've been largely ignored. But actually, when you take a closer look, you realise that there's a very strong economy there. Um, it's uh, you know th- th- there's a very strong investment uh, policy being executed by the leadership team there, and um, it, you know the the company is trading well below net asset value. So of course it, it is a in a sense a play on the geopolitical risks in that region. So you've got to take that into account. But I think certainly. Uh, at this level, um, I, I think we are going to see some increases on the back of the numbers today and um, and uh, we could well see some decent gains in the coming weeks.
1: Fantastic. So, moving on, Alan, to the last stock that we're going to discuss today, one that we have touched on on the podcast previously, uh, but it's been quite a significant update from them just this week. It's Vela Technologies. So, what's been happening there?
0: Yeah, so so Vela Technologies, of course, John, we've spoken about tech capital and um, there are various other uh, uh, companies out there that are listed that um, spin technology out of uh, universities into the commercial sector. And there are many companies out there that invest in technology. And Vela is is a, an aim-quoted uh, company focusing on early stage and pre-IPO Disruptive technology investments, and it has a raft of investments. It reported in its quarterly update um, um, on November the 8th, um, net asset value per share of 0.039 pence, uh, so so 3.9p. 13 active investments, two were unquoted, 10 are quoted. um, And uh, the the pivotal investment, I think, for the group is uh, its interesting future royalties from the COVID-19 and also diabetes remedy being developed by St. George's Street Capital um, where it has an economic interest in the commercialization of that. Um, it quoted a fair, at, fair value of the investment portfolio at um, 5.8 million and that compares again to the current market capitalization which is 3.8 million so trading at a huge discount to the value so there's no There's no upside or there's no future uh, premium for growth built into this into the valuation currently at all. Um, The shares have traded as high as three point two p on the year, as low as uh, zero point one uh, five p. Currently, uh, it's at two point six p. And I think uh, what we've seen following that um, is the, the the group has just reported on each individual company investment that has been that has been engaged with uh, particularly the listed companies there's been I think slow progress over the period so that's contributed not to the the malaise but just the generally flat performance from the company but then yesterday we had um, a further update from the company regarding this investment in AZD 1656 through St George's Street Capital and um, uh Conduit pharmaceuticals uh which um is uh which uh of which azd1656 is one of its key assets um announced yes announced uh, the day before yesterday that it intends to tra- list on the nasdaq through a merger with murphy cannon acquisition corporation um a nasdaq listed special purpose Acquisition company, a SPAC. Um, so the company's coming to market. It means AZD one six five six is going to be commercialized. So of course, given that um, given that uh, Vella has uh, a large stake in that asset, um, you know, potentially there's going to be some significant upside on offer for Vela once the company lists, and of course, uh, there's a valuation um, achieved with that. And of course, we've seen that process, John, haven't we? Through tech capital with the listing of uh, lucid and innovative eyewear and uh, i know uh, tech capital also have uh, the upcoming ipo for microsoft to look forward to as well so these are key value inflection points and i think what we saw uh, with vela yesterday was that value inflection point so very exciting times of course uh, once this is listed uh, you know the value of uh, the biotech uh, um biotech assets uh, on nasdaq uh, it, always far exceeds the, the valuation that uh, one might achieve on the UK market for an equivalent company. So it's going to be exciting to see what that company comes to market at. And of course, the, the value of the, the economic interest that Vela will have, um, which could materially change the outlook for the company uh, as we go forward.
1: So, Alan, you know, looking at the rest of the portfolio, are there any other standout companies in there for you, at, at Bella?
0: Yeah, there, there are there are a number of standout companies. So, so the company has uh, investments into Ensilica. Ensilica um, is uh, an is 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 a, a a chip a chip manufacturer or a chip based company. It has. Uh, um, uh, investments in Cornerstone, um, uh, which is uh, uh, an FX and, uh, and fintech company. North Coders Group, um, IT Group, which has progressed very, uh, has made solid uh, progress this year. And also um, Community Social Investments, uh, which was formerly WeShop. The company uh, has uh, has uh, a, a, an interest in that. There's progress for that rural broad, rural broadband solutions is another company um, it's rolling out sort of fiber broadband in some of these more remote places throughout the UK that's that's growing steadily so there are a number of companies uh, um, uh, w- within the within the portfolio uh, that uh, that can deliver growth it's also seen uh, the, the downward pressure on the portfolio has also come from some companies that have undergone uh, revaluation mode global holdings is one such mode of course being the the uh, the, the 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 cryptocurrency um, uh, uh, um, uh, um, exchange provider the company that has a has has an app which uh, allows people to 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 buy and sell Bitcoin, but also to use their Bitcoin assets to make purchases from a group uh, from um, a group of uh, organizations with which it has commercial a commercial relationship. Um, skillcast is another one. True Spine Technologies. So that these are all great companies in their own right that uh, will be delivering growth. But of course, um, as with a lot of early stage investments, uh, it takes time. For that uh, for that investment to come to fruition, and it also takes time for that value to be realised in the marketplace too. So uh, that probably reflects to some degree the the discount to the uh, the, the, the value of the investments uh, that the company currently trades at. But uh, when you get an event like um, like uh, the, the the asset AZD one six five six. The, uh, the primary owner of that asset being listed on NASDAQ, you know, that's that's a big game changer for the company. So I think at this level, it's offering great value.
1: Fantastic. Thank you very much. So just a quick recap of the stocks that we discussed today. It was AstraZeneca up first with a ticker of AZN. It was then Georgia Capital, which has a ticker, of cgeo and just then was of course for technologies with the ticker of vela alan thank you much for being on the podcast today thank you john so just as a final note to listeners do check out the video section for the uk investor magazine website where you'll be able to find the recordings of presentations this week at the virtual investment trust conference thank you very much for listening